It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, June Millington. Hi, June. Hi, how are you? Fantastic. Now, where are you calling in from? Uh, Goshen, Massachusetts, where I live at uh, on the IMA property, where we do our rock and roll girl scamps, and Fanny Walk the Earth was recorded, at least the first half of it. I love it. Uh, pretty busy spot. Yes, and you also have a book that's come out. Yeah, Land of a Thousand Dances. Excuse me, that's from the that's where I took the name from. It's Land of a Thousand Bridges. Okay. Um, and I'm actually working on the audio book right now. Ooh. So I'm kind of in the seventies as we speak even because I you know, that's that's where I'm at really. Right. Now your whole journey from you know, I was just talking to Bree as a matter of fact. I mean she was saying she started at fourteen. How old were you when you started? Well, Jean and I started to play ukuleles uh, in the Philippines when we were probably somewhere around 9 or 10, mm -hmm. and that was really easy. And then we got turned on to acoustic guitar um, just before we moved here in 1961. When I say here, that's Sacramento, California, and that's where we met Bree uh, maybe five or six years later. And then how soon did you put together this band? Pretty soon. I mean, I, I think that it was a destiny that we were called to. So we started to play with acoustic guitars at Hootenannies and stuff. And we mm -hmm. met a, a couple other girls. We started to sing with them, like, um, you know, Motown on acoustic, which was actually pretty hot. That's cool. <laughs> and then uh, a girl from a rival high school heard about us, and she called and said, hey, you want to start a band? So um, we had been, Jean's boyfriend was in a surf band, and we'd been singing between their sets of bowling alleys and stuff like that, and, uh, <laughs> so we said, sure, and we started to use, you know, jump on their equipment between sets, and that was great, and then we started our band, The Svelts, and about a year later, we lost our drummer, and somehow Bree found out about us, and, um, actually sneaked into a gig we were doing summer of <laughs> 66, um, awesome. Outside of Reno, we were playing like five sets a night to like four Whoa. in the morning. And she was underage, so she used to have to stand in the kitchen and watch through the through the porthole to, to see us play, which she She did. And um, at some point, she just, we just, hey, you know, just come on out, like about four in the morning. Uh. And then she just walked through that door, you know, from the kitchen to the oh. stage and just started playing with us, and it was a perfect fit. I mean, it was like, you Amazing. know, I mean, you don't even have to audition. It was just happening. Right. How old was she? Um, I was, let's see, I was 18 because I was just about to enter college. So I, I would say she was maybe 16, about to turn 17. Amazing. Something like that. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. And then uh, at some point, Bree dropped out, right? Mm hmm That was in 67, summer 67. Okay. And so then, she was only in the band about a year. All right. But then... You know, after that, uh, she played with us kind of on and off. Uh, she got pregnant. You know, she got married. She got pregnant. And then she actually ended up in L.A. So um, she lived at Fanny Hill, and there were a lot of adventures that ensued. Mm -hmm. However, she wasn't in the main uh, Fanny band when we started, okay. um, but was at Fanny Hill uh, doing her own thing and raising her daughter. And then uh, when I left the band... In 73, and uh, Fanny kind of what I call turned into Fanny Point One. That was with Bree and, um, uh, let me see, Patty Quattro. Mm -hmm. So that was the band that had the hit with Butter Boy. So, I mean, you know, just think of it as girlfriends, kind of come musical chairs. Yes. Uh, girlfriends, except it was rock and roll and we had a PA. Amazing. 
Yeah, yeah it is amazing, and it's worth reading the book, by the way, Land of a Thousand Bridges. Um, I looked because it up. It's, it's, yeah. it's actually um, iconic. There's nobody else who has had the experience as I and, and we had. There were other all-girl bands. Unfortunately, we only knew of one, and that was Bertha, also in L.A., who were fantastic. Okay. I mean, we saw them play, and they were girlfriends of ours also, before we all started to record and hit the road. And we heard of the Ace of Cups, who have finally released an, al- an album, but we didn't see them play. They were like a myth to us, you know, in the Svelts up in Northern California. Wow. So you pretty much were the only all-female band to be playing out. That, that's all we knew. We were the only ones. Amazing. Uh, certainly in the Sacramento area who, you know, were doing gigs steadily. I mean, sometimes we did two or three gigs a night. Whoa. That's when Bree first got uh, pregnant. She, man, we would do a couple of gigs, and we would bop to an after-hours joint, play a little bit more, you know, and gave us gas money, enough money to buy, I don't know, soap and toilet paper, and <laughs> maybe maybe a, maybe think about a guitar or something, yeah. you know? Wow. No, it was something we had to do. It's, it's hard to explain, but yeah. it was so, I, I guess I could use the word addicting, because there's something about doing music and, and pleasing people, and also... Yes. We knew we were um, a challenge. We we knew we were challenging the status quo. And we wanted to prove that we could do it. Yeah, and you you loved doing it. Oh, absolutely. It was uh, our heart and soul. Was there ever a time? Because I mean, you know, the name of my show is "Get the Funk Out," and I'm always fascinated with how people stay positive in an industry that's so challenging. You know, when you have to do it, that's what you do, and you you. Uh, it's funny, you know, because I've never had a child, but I remember asking Jean, you know, how do you deal with that pain? He said, <laughs> oh, you just forget about it afterwards. You're so in love with your baby and yeah. all those uh, endorphins kick in. And I guess it's kind of the same, you know, you play and you get kind of high from it. It's so great. Yes. And every gig that we did was another chance to feel that incredible love and, and sense of community with everyone who was dancing. And, and by the way, I thought about this a lot, but um, in all the years of playing through the Svelts and Fanny, I never once felt racism. Sexism, yes, a lot. Misogyny, oh, yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. But racism, no, because everyone was just so uh, loving the music and loving dancing, and it was a time, it was a revolution, it's you know, race. and everyone was united by the songs, and uh, we were creating, we were making it up. You know, by the time we got to L.A., we started to meet uh, a lot of people who, who, you know, who had already had hits. Yeah. Actually, we played with a couple of them up north, you know, like the Youngbloods, for example. But okay. Um, we we started to make friends with people who were creating that sound that's now called mm-hmm. classic rock. Wow. They were creating it, and it's difficult for people to even imagine. There you are, and it's glorious. You know, it's really fun. Yeah. Uh, despite all the, you know, as you as you referenced, basically as I call the challenges, but right. um, we were up for it. Well, it, you know, you just kept going. You went from different bands and different adventures, and you know, it's uh, something you're just passionate about. Absolutely, it was our life. What you don't uh, not do your life, right? <laughs> that, you're right. You're right. You just keep going. Yeah. You know, what advice would you give to uh, musicians today, especially female musicians, obviously? Mm. Well, I mean, clearly, my first piece would be don't stop, you know, because yeah. every day is different. Every gig is different. I often reference, um, you know, even in Fanny, when we had a road crew and we had people helping us with sound, we had technicians that traveled with us, actually, and roadies. 
no matter how well we prepared, the same show could kind of fall flat for us one night. You know, it was good. Mm-hmm. The audience liked it, but fell flat for us. And then the next night would be incredible. So that's the thing about music. You're really calling on the muses, and you never know when it's going to actually connect, even with you and then ancillarily with the audience. So yes. keep going because you can't control that. All you can do is do your best and stay steady with, you, with what you know is real and true. Number two, I'd say take care of yourself. Oh, yeah. It seems kind of pithy to say that, but for me, especially getting enough sleep has always been important. Yes. And, um, you know, brush your teeth, eat well, try to have good thoughts, just stay positive. Right. I think that's so key. I mean, if you don't love yourself, take care of yourself, it shows. It's a, Oh, I didn't even you know. say love yourself, but that's good. Yeah. You I, know, I mean, I, I'm just talking about as a task, as, as something to, uh, you know, you ask, what advice would you give? Right. Certainly love yourself, but I wouldn't have said that first because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it takes an awful long time to realize you got to do that. I know, too. doesn't it? I know. <laughs> but it's a domino effect because if you're not good to yourself and you're crabby or you don't feel good about yourself, you're not going to be good to your other people. Well, that is true. Absolutely. Domino effect. I like that. Yeah. So uh, I saw you at She Rocks, and um, you guys were performing on stage. Uh, what's going on? I know, I know. I don't think we performed. I, I don't remember performing. I, I remember um, Skunk Baxter yes. introducing us and, and talking about us. But didn't you, you perform know, a song? Um, well, there was a group song at the yes. end, but they they barely let us be. Oh, yeah. To tell you the truth, they barely let us be involved. I mean, what we were really looking forward to was uh, Fanny Walk the Earth, me, Jean, and Bree were supposed to do, you know, a yeah. short set, right. maybe a couple of numbers. I forget what it was, but then Jean had a stroke, and, oh, and yeah. uh, that just simply changed everything. Although, you know, I talk to her every couple of days. Uh, there's still a fundraiser up on, on GoFundMe, Jean dash, Millington dash, go in caps. So if anybody wants to donate to that, and she's working really hard on her recovery. Good. And I think right after Thanksgiving, I'm going to replace uh, Thanksgiving time. I think after right after that Thanksgiving, we're going to kind of throw a party slash with music, and Jean will be there. Maybe oh, she'll nice. sing a little bit with us, and, and uh, her son is, is an amazing musician, so he'll be there and playing with us, and maybe Bree will drop in. It's, it's more like a party and a chance for everybody to get, you know, because Jean hasn't really wanted to be public because she's been so working so hard on her recovery. Right. Uh, she can't quite play yet, but she can sing a little bit That's because good. she sings with her grandson when oh. they watch his favorite TV show. Oh, cute. So, you know, I I just kind of feel like the other thing I would I I would. Uh, basically give advice uh, about would be to be grateful for everything. You know, yeah. it was so devastating uh, for all of us uh, when Jean had her stroke. She couldn't move her right side at all. She couldn't talk. Right. Now she can talk. She's had speech therapy, I mean, within a month. I mean, she's such a dedicated worker. Amazing. Now she can walk a little bit. She can get out of the car by herself, et cetera, and so forth. So um, I'm happy now that she's at least willing to join us uh, and a party at, in Davis where she lives and, okay. and maybe try to sing a little bit and just enjoy. Yes. You know, because just gratitude for everything, for every moment, just means so much. It really counts for a lot. Yes. I feel like all of you are such great role models for as we age. Just yeah. to be yeah. grateful, you know, to do the things you love to do. Yeah. You know? One of the things that upset me the most 
about genes having a stroke, although, of course, that's, you know, devastating uh, yeah. on the face of it. But when we decided to do the album and, and uh, you know, we were talking about why we were doing it, one of our goals was to show up in front of people and show them that you can still slam at 68, 69, I, I just turned 70, and be proud of it. I mean, we could play, we can play like nobody else can, because we started, like I said, back when that music was being invented, and right. it was incredible, and so we caught the fire, you know, as, you as Bob Marley said, get the fire. We, we really did. You did, you mm-hmm. did, and you paved the way for other people. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think I have to accept that. You know, sometimes it's hard for me. It's like, really? You know, because... We kind of knew we were doing that, but we were doing it for ourselves. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But however, now that, you know, now that that moniker kind of is put on us, I've got to say, yeah, we did. Right. But I, I also, you know, want to acknowledge all the other women who were playing who just never got the record deal or didn't get noticed beyond, you know, their high school days or, or whatever. So right. I guess I would say we all did it together. There was an energy. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where can people find out more about you? Um, you know, they can go to IMA because where I'm talking to you from right now, because that's basically my life's work. We, we started this nonprofit organization for women in music, uh, the Institute for the Musical Arts. Mm-hmm. So if you go to IMA.org, uh, you can see what's going on. You would certainly uh, get in touch with me. And I have a pretty good Facebook presence. Um, I guess I'm kind of an oldie because I haven't switched over to Instagram and Snapchat and all that kind of <laughs> stuff, but I, I'm pretty good with Facebook, so if you just go to my Facebook page, I actually have a couple, you can really okay. see what's going on, and if you want to contact me, you know, you can always go to fabjune.aol.com, like fabulous June, yes. Fab June, Perfect. with the dinosaur AOL, and the reason <laughs> I stayed with it is it's not so many CDs for the past 20, 25 oh. years. Funny. <laughs> So funny, the dinosaur. I know. <laughs> oh well, God. you know, I just turned seventy, like I said, and it's Amazing. it's kind of fun, you know. And while I'm doing this audio book, and my partner Anne keeps telling me, I think this is going to be your actual um, most important legacy because it really puts you right in our shoes. It really puts right. you in the times, and it it stops in 1975, and I'm working on book two now because. Yeah. You know, from the Philippines to rock and roll, and I left Fanny in 73, I took a sabbatical. I went to the East Coast. Okay. I ended up actually in Woodstock. And it was a wow. real sabbatical. I really did just kind of drop off the face of the earth because I just, I just needed to find out, well, who the heck is this, you know, this June Millington who everybody says is blah, blah, blah. Yes, you know? yes. Um, the fame did not turn out to be what I thought it was. It was more making me into a one-dimensional figure, which I hated. Sure. And I needed to step out of that flat picture that was being presented right. in the press because that was the only way that the press and society could see me, that you couldn't actually be a real creative woman, you know? Ugh, awful. So I, yeah, I had to figure out how do I step into that uh, you know, paradigm. And I mm-hmm. actually needed to wait for the paradigm shift because by 75... I got invited to play on this album called Changer and the Changed, which uh, Chris Williamson was doing, and that was my entree into the women's music and feminism, and that was a, bl- that was a super blast off. Amazing. So that was 1975, and that's also when Gene asked me to go on the last Fanny tour because they had a surprise hit with, with Butterboy. Amazing. So it was me and Gene and Bree and yeah. uh, Wendy Haas, Mall and... Um, Excuse me. Another woman that I brought from New York, Patty Machetta, who was mm-hmm. in a band that I'd started, 
And that was 1975. So you blast off with what I call Fanny Point 2. Mm-hmm. We went on the road. Then I played on Changer and the Change. And I went on the road on Chris's first national tour in 1976. Well, let me tell you, that was incredibly rock and roll. It was wow. feminism and rock. And that's where my book starts. So cool. Uh, yeah, I've already got six chapters written. And the reason why I stopped is because Gene, Bree, and I, and Wendy, we barely can remember what actually <laughs> happened right then. You know, we had a bunch of young women just kind of yeah. snowballing into our lives. Sure. Yeah. So I, I'm just going to have to keep going, because what I do remember is we went on the road, and um, I actually talked Brian Auger into going to a studio with us in the middle of the night in Florida. Oh, and I have a tape of that. I was writing constantly. And I'm just going to have to move on to that. I mean, you know, of course, I talk about us rehearsing and everything, but there was so much going on. And, you know, that's the thing about my life. And I think about, I find these tapes, I'm like, I mean, I even have a tape of us playing in Memphis, because I I would tape everything, you know, on a cassette. So I just asked the sound man, okay, would you just press record? And it sounds really good. We were good. Awesome. Yeah. So, um... You know, when I think about all the things I've done, and then we, you move on to women's music and IMA and the girls' rock camps and the music that they're creating in these times, you know, it's really important. I, I'm, I'm valuing my life more now than I ever have, which yeah. is very interesting. Well, and you're able to still do what you love, which is yeah. a gift. yeah. Yeah. And like Jean says, you know, you have a mind like a steel trap, because I actually remember an awful lot. <laughs> oh, funny. That's yeah. great, though. Yeah, yeah. You know? Well, this has been fantastic. Um, I hope to see you next time you're out in L.A. Absolutely. I, I keep wanting to come to L.A., but it's so hard to break away, and I really, really want to finish or wrap up the portion that I've all, you know already recorded of the audiobook, which is 13 chapters, and there Whoa. are 42 chapters. Oh, my God. So it's time-sensitive, you know, because like I said, <laughs> 70. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, I'm laughing about that, but yeah. it, it's important and it's fun to do. So I will definitely let you know the next time I go to L.A. Please um, do. Please hopefully do. Hopefully it'll be fairly soon. All right. Sounds all good. All right. Thank you so much. This has been great. Awesome. All right. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. If you missed any part of this, everything is up on my show blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at moms, M-O-M-Z underscore rock. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.